In this episode of Locked On Capitals, we talk about the crazy coaching carousel in the NHL. It seems like that is the motto nowadays. If a coach doesn't do well in one team, let's just put him to another team. Is that really a formula for success? Let's talk about that next on this edition of Locked On Capitals. Locked On Capitals, your daily podcast on the Washington Capitals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello and welcome into this edition of Locked On Capitals. I'm so glad you decided to join me today. As always, this podcast is free and available on all the major platforms. And I want to thank you for making this your first listen or view of the day. Yes, this podcast is also available in video form, so head on over to YouTube and check it out. And when you're on YouTube, make sure and hit that subscribe button. And if you like the videos, hit the thumbs up button. It really helps grow the channel. My name is Dan Holney. You can find me on Twitter. It's at DanCaps218. You can find the show on Twitter. It's at LockedOnCaps. So in this edition, that is what we are talking about, the crazy coaching carousel. And where do all these new coaches fall? And how long will they have their jobs? We'll talk about that. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. So it does seem like kind of an odd model that the NHL has in all of professional sports, really, where it seems like the coach is always the fall guy. If things don't go well, you got to get rid of the head coach. And I think that a lot of times that has to do with the general manager trying to save face. You know, he has to answer to ownership and saying, you know, your team had a poor performance last year. What are you going to do to rectify that situation? And oftentimes they think that that's what they do is they say, head coach, get out of here. And then they report back to ownership and say, there you go. I took care of that problem. I got rid of the head coach. But the problem is, is you have a lot of these coaches that get jostled from one team to another. And are they really the best coaches for the teams at the end of the day if they don't work on the previous team? I guess a lot could be said as if, you know, it was a poor lineup or poor ownership or just a poor chemistry in the locker room. But let's dig into that a little bit more in today's episode. This I saw on the Bleacher Report they were talking about. With 10 head coaches hires this summer, we asked readers to give us their predictions, opinions, and overall thoughts on the moves made behind the benches before we get started with some coaching. Um, so let's recap on all of the moves and one of the big moves one uh, that took place was the Boston Bruins fired coach Bruce Cassidy and hired former Dallas coach Jim Montgomery. Cassidy was quickly hired to coach the Vegas Golden Knights. And it seems like if you want to just take a look at the Vegas Golden Knights, for example, there is zero room for failure on that team. It just seems like that team has been in the league since, what, 2018? And there has since been zero room for failure. If they have one poor season, head coach, you get out of here. Um, and I think in the process that they have, they've gotten rid of some really good coaches. And I think that, you know, between that and the questionable decisions that they've made at the GM level, getting rid of different players. And I think that ultimately what is ailing the Golden Knights is they've upset the chemistry so much. They've constantly been changing the head coach that they never get that to, to solidify 
uh, that lineup. They don't get that that voice of the head coach to say, this is how things are going to go. So subsequently, that team is always in kind of a case or, uh, you know, turmoil and an upheaval. They never really seem to find their way. And I think that, you know, like I say, oftentimes it's better to kind of just to stick with one coach for a while. I mean, if you have a coach and you, and you know, you finish in the last place, start, you know, putting the magnifying glass on that, really take the face off the clock and look at the gears and say, what went wrong? Was it the head coach? Was it the players? Was it the GM? Whatever the case may be, don't always necessarily make the head coach the first uh, person that you kick out. Another one, the Chicago Blackhawks replace interim coach Derek King with Luke Richardson and a former Montreal Canadiens assistant coach. And I'm not really sure, guys, what's going on in Chicago here. It does seem like a bunch of interesting moves that have taken place. You know, they got rid of Debrinket, They got rid of Andre Fleury. They got rid of Dylan Strome. It really seems like a team, you know, as odd as it is to say, it almost seems like they're trying to tank next season. Uh, they haven't really gone out and got any huge acquisitions, or, um, you know, or anything on paper that you're going to look at that Chicago Blackhawks team and go, guess what? Next year, we're going to be a lot better. If you want to kind of bring this back to the Washington Capitals, take a look at what Brian McClellan did. He went out and he got Dylan Strom to take Nick Backstrom's place. He got Connor Brown to take Tom Wilson's spot. Of course, we can't overlook what he did in net. He got Darcy Kemper and Charlie Lindgren. Um, plus, he also solidified by getting journeyman Gustafson. Um, so, you know, I think that if you want to take a look at a blueprint of something that the Capitals or something that the NHL did right as a whole, take a look at what the Washington Capitals did. You know, there was a lot of people that said, you know, they had a poor season, another first round exit. Peter Laviolette, you got to get the axe. Well, that is not the case. You know, I think that Brian McClellan had the foresight to take a look at it and say, you know what, this was a season that was kind of plagued with injuries and, uh, you know, it, was, it wasn't it was necessarily Peter Laviolette's fault. There was a bit of circumstantial problems that were going on. They had, you know, inconsistencies in that all season. At the end of the day, there was only so much that Peter Laviolette could do. But what I'm trying to talk about, how we could bring this back to the Washington Capitals, because this is a Washington Capitals podcast, is A-plus marks for Brian McClellan doing the right thing. Not just doing the easy thing by going, Peter Laviolette, you're out of here, and we're going to plug and play some one of these other guys in the carousel. It's not always the right move. And I know that, you know, as the fan base, you know, you can get angry and you can get upset. And hey, I cover this team and I know more than anyone or just as well as the other fans, I'm a fan at the end of the day, is the frustration. Another first round exit. Been there before, seen it. But taking a look at what the Capitals did and Brian McClellan and just kind of saying, let's slow things down a little bit. Things are going to be okay. And uh, not be so hasty to pull that trigger and go, head coach, you're out. Um you know, I think that ultimately, if you end up doing that, then you have to start replacing uh, the GM and kind of questioning their competence at the end of the day. Are they the right coach or the right GM for the job? Because if your first reaction is to fire the head coach, I think you need to maybe look a little bit more internally. Are you drafting well? Take a look at the guy who's in charge of the draft. Are you giving up a bunch of draft picks constantly for win now mode? Those are the perils that I think that a GM uh, has to really answer. You know, it not everything falls squarely on the, the head coach's um, shoulders. I mean, you know, a lot of it does. But, you know, I, if you're going to take a look at Coach Peter Laviolette and what he did, there's not a lot of things that I can look to and say, 
you know what? That is where the problem emanates from. All right. So after the break, we are going to continue to talk about the coaching carousel in the NHL. And is it really the right thing to do? We'll talk about that next. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. And if, guys, you haven't gone over to BetOnline.net yet, what are you waiting for? You're obviously a sports fan, so head on over to BetOnline. It makes betting on games and watching games that much more exciting. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts they have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, welcome back to this edition of Locked On Capitals as we keep blazing through the summer. And you can see training camp down the football field. I can see it down there. We are slowly making our way to training camp and bringing you all the latest and updated news on your Washington Capitals. The next one with contract up, Rick Bonus stepped away from the Dallas Stars after the team was eliminated in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. He was replaced by Peter DeBoer, who had recently been fired by the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, Bonus went to the Winnipeg Jets to replace interim coach Dave Laurie. Now, this is another one of the ones that I'm talking about, Peter DeBoer. How many different teams have we seen Peter DeBoer on? Uh, let me kind of recall just off the top of my head. I can remember him being the head coach of the New Jersey Devils. I can remember him being the head coach of the Vegas Golden Knights and now the Stars. And I know there's some other ones in between there, but those are just off the top of my head. And, you know, you got to, you know, take a look at someone like Peter DeBoer. And at the end of the day, is he just like, well, this is how it is? Or does he ever start to look internally and going, am I a bad coach or am I just a victim of circumstance? Ultimately, I don't think that Peter DeBoer is a bad coach. Um, is he going to be the one that's going to take the Dallas Stars to the next level? I'm not so sure. But, um, you know, I think if you take a look at the Dallas Stars in particular, they were kind of a bubble team as they head into the playoffs. There are a lot of uh, great players on that team that on paper, if you take a look at the sketch of the Dallas Stars, if someone handed you a piece of paper and said, this is what I came up with with the Dallas Stars, you think this is going to work? I would say "Eh, it looks pretty good. I mean, I think that you could do better. But uh, I think that the Dallas Stars are a team that, you know, they kind of always do a pretty decent job. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how DeBoer does there. Again, he's another one of the one that gets jostled around from one team to another to another and, you know, kind of throwing the gum to the wall and seeing if it sticks. And is it going to work? I don't know. Uh, Then you take Bonus, who went to the Winnipeg Jets. And, you know, if you take a look at the Winnipeg Jets, that is a bit of an interesting situation. If you've ever been to Winnipeg, and I've been there several times to watch the Capitals play. And personally, me, I come from a small town. So going to Winnipeg, I I actually like going there. It's a nice little kind of small uh, city feeling to it. Um, But if you are someone that is used to coming from a major metropolitan area, I could see a bit, you know, your reservation to going there. They don't have a major airport. They don't have a freeway, for example, that goes through the city. Um, but they do. It is. It's not like it's a, a one stop, a one stop light town. I mean, it's a big metropolitan area. Um, 
And I just think that, you know, they have a hard time attracting uh, players there that want to play there because it seems like, you know, when what players are in Winnipeg after a while, they're like, I want out of here. Um, if you take a look at the facility, the arena that they play at, um, it's a pretty decent arena. And I got to say, one of the loudest I've ever been at. Subsequently, it's also one of the smallest arenas, but that Winnipeg fan base is is there. They are with the the Jets fans. I looked around and every time I see them play, and to be honest with you, the, the three, four times I saw the Capitals play in Winnipeg, the Capitals lost every time. So I know that Winnipeg hasn't been playing well as of late. Do I think that the Winnipeg Jets would have been a lot better with um, um, Barry Trotz? Absolutely. You take a look at Barry Trotz, another example of a guy that's been jostled around from one team to another. But I think that, you know, if you take a look at Barry Trotz, he has a pedigree of winning. You take a look at what he did with the Predators. You know, a pretty decent job. I know that they never really got to the mark where they wanted to, Look at what he did with the Washington Capitals. Oh, Stanley Cup winner. You know, that's a pretty big accomplishment. That's a good feather in your hat. And then he went on to the Islanders. And the Islanders, come on, let's get real with the Islanders. I am not sure what's going on there with that team. You know, I'm not, you can take a look at them and go, you know, they didn't make it as far as that they should have gone. But ultimately, how much of that was on Barry Trott's shoulders? I don't think that a lot of that was on Barry Trott's shoulders. You don't want to know what I think was one of the big things in the New York Islanders situation was COVID. COVID was a huge issue with the Islanders. Now, I know you're saying, well, COVID affected all the teams. They had many games that were canceled, um, series canceled. And, you know, they never were able to get a really good footing and make some good progress. So just kind of bringing this back to the capital since Barry Trotz was one of the head coaches is another one that was a victim of the coaching carousel. Do I think the Washington Capitals should have fired Barry Trotz? No, but do I think they did the right thing by um, hiring uh, Peter Laviolette? Yes. Do I think that they realized hindsight 2020 that hiring Todd Reardon as a head coach was a mistake? Yes. So if you can learn from your mistakes, um, I think that that's, that's the biggest part of progress is trying to learn from your mistakes. And I think that, you know, you take a look at Peter Laviolette and what he's done. You got to give him good marks at the end of the day. I don't look at anything that he's done glaringly as a bad thing. But, you know, just like I say, kind of just talking about the coaching carousel. We're going to kind of move around the NHL a little bit in this uh, episode. But, you know, from time to time in this episode, I'm going to bring it back to Washington and uh, just kind of take a look at some of the mistakes that the Capitals have made and some teams around the NHL have made and try to learn from those mistakes. Number one I've talked about so far is the Vegas Golden Knights. You need to stand pat with what you have in head coach for a while. Make an, a good assessment and a good hiring and just sit on that for a while. Because I think, you know, they take a look at Vegas and they're like, you know, we need to win. So, you know, we got to keep changing the coach. Stop doing that. Dallas Stars, another one. I think that Dallas made a change for change sake. And uh, is Peter DeBoer going to be the right guy in, in uh, Dallas? I guess that remains to be seen. All right. So moving on here, Steve Yeiserman turned to the coach he worked with in Tampa Bay tabbing former Lightning assistant coach Derek Lalonde to coach the Detroit Red Wings. Lalonde replaced Jeff Blushell, Blushiel, who failed to lead Detroit to a winning record outside of his first year with the team. Okay, so this is an example to me of a good decision because you know the, the Red Wings went with that with that head coaching um, lineup there for some time. He had the same head coach and assistants for some time. 
and ultimately didn't get that team where they wanted to go. Now, if you take a look at the Detroit Red Wings, they are a team that has kind of wandered out in the wilderness for some time. But if you've paid attention to the tactful moves that the GM in Detroit has made, I think that the Red Wings are poised to be a really great team in the future. Is it going to be next year? I'm not so sure. But some of the moves and acquisitions that they've made lead me to believe that the Detroit Red Wings going forward are going to be a lot better. They have Jacob Verana on the team, Jakob Verana, if you will. Um, and I think, you know, that was with the Mantha trade, hindsight 2020. I agree with it. It never really seems like a Verana caught any traction in Washington. I know he was beloved and a part of the 2018 Stanley Cup and just a really nice guy at the end of the day. But nice guys don't win games. Not to say that Anthony Mantha's not a, not, not a nice guy. He's a great guy. But, you know, I think that the Detroit Red Wings are poised to do bigger and better things. And they're going to do that with the likes of young talent, Jacob Verana. If you take a look at how he's flourishing on that team, you know, sometimes it's just a change in zip code can make all the difference in the world. I think that is true with Andre Burakovsky. Take a look at him. Done a great job since he left Washington. Not to say anything disparaging about the Capitals, but sometimes certain players do well in different situations, different than what they have. And, you know, subsequently there's been players that have played poorly on their other team and come to Washington and played well. Take a look at Kempney, for example. I know he didn't play well towards the end, but when he first came to this team, did a good job. Take a look at Nick Jensen, for example. Um, so sometimes it's just a different Dylan uh, comes to mind. Sometimes these players just, it takes a while for them to to find the right fit on the right team. And, um, you know, I think that just in this particular uh, one here, they were talking about the Red Wings. So my trajectory on the Red Wings, it's facing up. I think they look good. The next one is a bit of an interesting one. The Habs took the interim tag off Martin St. Louis and gave him a three-year contract. Now, if this isn't a Disney moving movie in the making, I don't know what it is. You know, I know what, what his, his resume is in the NHL, and it's great. He was a great player, but take a look at his coaching resume, how he went from where he was to the head coach of the Montreal Canadiens, one of the marquee teams in the NHL, one of the originals. And they gave him that job. It is a bit interesting. Does that put the Canadians, the Habs, in a good position to do well next year? I guess it remains to be seen. But an interesting move. You know, he had kind of so-so results. They ended up going out and getting a great draft pick there. Is that going to be enough to push this team over the top? I do not see the Montreal Canadiens being a contender. I don't see them winning their division. I do not see them winning the Stanley Cup. Is it possible? Anything's possible. But my assessment on it is, is making him the head coach, maybe they know something I don't. Maybe they see something that I don't. But I'm just taking a look at his resume, and nothing screams, that guy's our next coach of the Montreal Canadiens. Kind of an interesting move, but I guess, you know, that is the Habs' prerogative to do whatever they want to do. But to me, as an outsider, as a fan of the NHL, it seems like a bit of an odd move to me. All right, so after the break, we are going to continue to go through the NHL and talk about some of the coaching changes that were made, some of the questionable coach coaching changes that were made. We'll talk about that next. All right, welcome back to this edition of Locked On Capitals, where it's your team every day. We're talking about some coaching changes that were made around the NHL. The Florida Panthers replaced Jack Adams finalist Andrew Burnett with Paul Maurice. 
Burnett is now an assistant as Lindy Ruff's bench in New Jersey. And, you know, taking a look at this one, this is one of the ones that I do agree with. And I know it kind of flies in the face what I've talked about a little bit, but I do think that ultimately it was a wise decision. If you take a look at Andrew Burnett, kind of an unproven commodity, not a lot of experience behind the bench. There were certain situations through um, the playoffs, as most notably I noticed when they were playing the Capitals, that some questionable judgment So to bring in a seasoned veteran coach like Paul Maurice makes really good sense for me. So I give the Florida Panthers A-plus marks. I've always kind of liked Paul Maurice. You know, he did the best that he could do and got some really good years out of the Winnipeg Jets while he was uh, the head coach there. But if he is going to, you know, um, continue to have that kind of success in Florida remains to be seen. They have Kachuk on that team. They lost Huberto. They lost Uyghur. A lot of uncertainty around Florida, so I guess it's going to remain to be seen what they're able to whip together in that Florida Panthers pot. The Edmonton Oilers took the interim tag off Jay Woodcroft and extended him for three years, and God love the Edmonton Oilers. It seems like that team is always poised. You know, it's right in their grasp to go to the next level, and they don't do it. And, you know, they have the makings of it. They have McDavid on and Dreisaitl, and they're just loaded up there. Why can they never put together you know, a really, really deep push or a Stanley Cup win. That is another team where if you sketch that out and show me on a piece of paper, I would say, yep, that looks good. I think that that team is poised to do a really great job. Let's go ahead with that. Whatever reason, the, you know, the McDavid, the Dreisaitl, the Nugent Hopkins, I mean, that is an all-star team in the making. What is their Achilles heel on that team? Knee-jerk reaction, net-minding. They never, ever, never, ever... They, you know, they go out and they get the Nugent Hopkins and all these big players, but they never get that big name netminder. And I know that they had some pretty good results in net this year, but they need that elite level uh, netminder. What am I talking about, Capitals fans that's watching this? A Braden Holpe of 2018 netminder. If they had that kind of netminder in Edmonton next year, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make them a favor to win the Stanley Cup. I'm gonna do it. But they never have that elite level netminder. So that, I mean, I know that, uh, you know, they're not listening to me and what I have to say, and I'm sure I'm not saying anything too novel if you're an Edmonton fan, but they need to address the netminding situation and get an elite level netminder uh, up in Edmonton. And I think that you could do some great things up there. The San Jose Sharks replaced Bob Bugner with former New York Rangers coach David Quinn. The Sharks, apparently a, a good team. If you take a look back now, the last couple of years, no, not so much. But if you remember the one team that gave the Washington Capitals fits on the West Coast trips, you know, not last year, the year before, but, you know, several years before that were the San Jose Sharks. Always, you know, pretty uh, solid team, especially when they were playing at the Shark Tank. I actually went and saw them one time out in uh, San Jose, another small venue, but a really uh, fan base that's really into their team. And the Sharks are a good team. Maybe them switching to David Quinn will be the secret sauce to the San Jose Sharks uh, casserole. I hope that it is because, you know, it's a pretty good team. And uh, taking a look at what they've done, I think uh, that they're in a good position to do bigger and better things. You know, they got some rid of some bigger players, so some questionable moves. But I think on paper, they are poised to do a pretty good job. The Philadelphia Flyers fired interim coach Mike Yo and replaced him with John Tortorella. Now, Mike Yo is a coach that has never really seemed to gain traction. Um, I, you know, he was the head coach for the Minnesota Wild for years and had kind of so-so success, but never any real great success. Uh, not the, the uh, success that Dean Evason has had in Minnesota, for example, but 
Mike Yo, I think, you know, some guys are good head coaches. Some guys are good assistant coaches. Um, and, you know, I think that Mike Yo is one of the guys that he's a good assistant coach. He is not a great head coach. Um, so for them to go out and do that and sign John Tortorella, I know this is going to be kind of a polarizing thing. I like John Tortorella. He gets results. He's fun to watch. He's passionate. I love watching players and head coaches that are passionate. If his team loses, he is upset. And I like that. He's a guy and he's, you know, he's not afraid of mixing it up with the press a little bit and his players and just, you know, telling them how it is. Now, the perils of doing that is you burn out your players. The players get sick of playing for you and ultimately you lose the locker room. I get that. But if he can take that team and kind of focus them and push them in the right direction, I think that, you know, at least in the next couple of years, it'll push them in the right direction to do bigger and better things. I don't want the Flyers to do well. They play in the Capitals division, but I'm just talking about a fan of the NHL. I think that John Tortorella was the right fix. Um, I don't think that they have the right players on the team to necessarily, you know, get them deep in the playoffs or even into the playoffs next year. But I think that in the next coming years, I think that John Tortorella is the right guy that pulled the strings and pushed the buttons or whatever you're saying you want to say and put them in the right direction because he has experience. He has a good track record. And, you know, there's a lot of people that say, I don't like him because he's a jerk. And, you know, I can hear that. But for me, as a person, his kind of attitude resonates with me. I like the kind of guy that he is. He's not afraid of getting in your face and telling you what he thinks. And a lot of times he gets results. So I give the Philadelphia Flyers A-plus marks um, because I'm a torts fan at the end of the day. You know, I I do like John Tortorella, and uh, that's my prerogative, I guess you could say. So this has been this edition of Locked On Capitals. I want to thank you for joining me today. My name is Dan Homey on Locked On Capitals, where it's your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Capitals your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On NHL. Locked On experts give you a daily 30-minute podcast on all things NHL all year long. Stay up to date on everything in the hockey world. Locked On NHL, your daily 30-minute NHL podcast. So, Once again, thank you for joining me on this edition of Locked On Capitals. It's been a lot of fun talking hockey with you guys through the summer, and I will continue to do that until the training uh, camp start, and then we can focus exclusively on the Washington Capitals. We can kind of stop talking about all the things that are going around the NHL and you know, laser focus in on the Capitals and what's going on with them. So once again, thank you for joining me, and I'll talk to you again next time.